episode 46. Today, I speak with Shub Degupta from Wiser Together about shared decision-making. American healthcare entrepreneurs and executives you want to know, talking. Relentlessly seeking value. Common scenario. Patient finds themselves with a condition. They Google this condition and turn up millions of hits. They are paralyzed by overchoice and end up doing nothing, which exacerbates their health and possibly their total medical costs. Their treatable little problem has ballooned into a much more acute one. Enter Wiser Together. Wiser Together is a platform that helps patients find the total range of treatment options available to them and then evaluate those treatment options based on the patient's own personal decision-making criteria. Like, for example, how much does this treatment option, potential treatment option cost, and how much of my time will it take? Today, I speak with Shub Degupta, who is the founder and CEO of Wiser Together, and we talk about their technology and their platform and how they've helped over 5 million patients find their own answers so far. I must admit, I neglected to ask Shub where listeners can go for more information about Wiser Together. So here's what you need to know. Go to wisertogether.com. The website is chock full of really good stuff, and there's also contact information that you can find there. My name is Stacy Richter, and this podcast is sponsored by Franklin Healthcom. Welcome to Relentless Health Value, Shub. Thank you. So, Wiser Together, you are a founder, and what's your current title? And CEO, yeah. Founder and CEO. Why don't we talk about Wiser Together for a moment? What, what have you got going on in Washington, D.C.? Wiser Together is a treatment transparency company where we offer a personalized treatment decision support solution that helps patients and consumers make better health decisions. So let me actually tell you how the company came about, because this is, this is based on a personal health experience. Six years ago, my wife was pregnant with our first daughter. We were facing a, a really difficult choice. One of the test screens in the, during the pregnancy came back as being a high risk for a daughter who's having high risk for Down syndrome. And we had to make a decision around which whether we should choose a genetic test or not and to get more information around it. And that was a really hard choice for my wife and myself. We struggled with it. And we struggled not because there was a lack of any information that was provided. There was a tremendous amount of information or lack of doctors or access to doctors. We were sitting in Washington, D.C. and um, had access to some of the best doctors in the world. But it really was around coming to a decision that we would be comfortable with for the rest of our lives. It was getting to that peace of mind in that decision. And what we found is this was like any other choice that, appear, that you make, big decision that you make in, in your life. It's, uh, it is understanding all your options, evaluating them based on what matters to you, and then taking action. My background is I'm a behavioral economist and labor economist and, and really understand how people make decisions. And I found that the information that was provided to us was really missing. And it wasn't personalized in a way that mattered to me and helped me make a decision that was informed, that was right for me, that gives me peace of mind. That's what I set out to do six years ago. We built a, the right data. We looked around the world and we saw what is the right data available for people that people need to make a decision, collected it in a way that actually makes sense and can be used it's, uh, and presented in a way that people can make decisions with. And that was a start for Wiser Together, really focusing on places where people are overwhelmed and looking to make choices and helping them navigate this, this, this black box of healthcare. 
I cannot tell you how many times over the past, I'm going to say six months, I have heard the term shared decision making. So it seems like you are in the right place at the right time, my friend. You are ahead of the curve. Ahead of the curve and, and uh, much needed in the marketplace today. Why don't you talk a little bit about that? You know, what is shared decision making and why is it so important? In healthcare, the choices that patients face, the choices that consumers face when dealing with their health issues as well as or health issues for anybody in their care is really complex. Health, as you know, is a very complicated field, not just for the science behind it, but also the different sources, the different locations, the different types of specializations, the myriad of different options available to individual is really, really hard. Traditionally, patients have relied almost exclusively on an expert. You always would, uh, in my parents' generation, you would know to go to your general practitioner and they would tell your family doctor and they'll take care of everything for you. But that's changed. People now have a lot more choice. They're expected to play a much more active role in their decisions early on at the outset. Do you go to your local pharmacy for uh, options? Do you go to over-the-counter medications? Do you try therapies that your friends and neighbors told you? Do you go to a doctor? Do you go to ER? Each one has an implication on not just cost, but your experience as well. And shared decision-making comes in to help you work with the right expert. So maybe a physician, maybe a care manager, maybe a nurse, maybe a health coach to guide you through your options and make the right decision for you. And that's why shared decision-making helps narrow down and make options better for the individual, uh, make it more realistic, and make it uh, simplify this, this very complex world for them. And is there also an element of if a patient feels like they owned a decision or is part of a decision that they're more likely to adhere to whatever that decision is? That's right. So a key part of shared decision making is the patient and an expert or somebody else work together to come up with the option. And when when a patient or a consumer is an active participant in the decision process, choosing the right treatments, choosing the, the course of treatment, the treatment plan, that act, um, that involvement carries a lot of weight because it's both psychological and is a necessary thing to do. People feel vested, their voice is heard, they feel vested in the outcomes that they select. And as they participate, they're able to share more and come up with the right option that's personalized to them and makes more sense for them. As a result, you'll find people, there's less trial error. Uh, people choose are happier with the treatments that they um, select or is prescribed to them. They stick with it longer. So there's more compliance, there's greater adherence in the uh, treatment plans. And as a result, outcomes are better, much better. And in fact, uh, not only are the outcomes better, costs are also lower. So it's really a win-win for the entire uh, system if you're able to get shared decision-making right. Which is really interesting because it just speaks to the core of the paternalistic culture uh, that medicine has been for, for so long and just really in a very demonstrable way shows that someone in a white coat telling a patient what they will do is not a model for success. You raise a really good point because um, historically, healthcare has been uh, uh, more of a one-size-fits-all strategy. You come in, uh, the doctor will um, evaluate you, and based on your results or test results and 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 and, and the diagnosis, they will come up with a treatment plan. And it's a trial-error method. They would ask, they'll prescribe certain things. If it doesn't work, you'll go back to the doctor and they'll try some other things. What if you could have the patient state early on 
what their preferences are, what their constraints are, what their issues are personally that they care about. If cost is an issue, how important is that? If, if um, speed to recovery or uh, is an issue, how important is that for the patient? If they're worried about invasive care or worried about side effects of certain drugs or therapies, how important does that factor to the patient's uh, decision process? Because remember, patient ultimately has to live and, and, and act on the treatments, and they do that privately, often outside the doctor's purview. So how can you capture that information and create a plan that's personalized for the individual? And shared decision-making helps achieve that. It is a, a joint decision that you sit down, either you work privately initially, and then you share that with a provider, and they're able to come up with a, the, a course of treatment that's right for you. Before we get into exactly how Wiser Together facilitates the shared decision-making, which I am very intrigued by, just a strange sidebar. You know, my father, who is, has a PhD in education, wrote his dissertation in the 70s on how if you get kids to be part of selecting the curriculum, in other words, if you let children help choose what it is they want to learn, their test scores go up markedly. That's uh, exactly tapping into the same psychology and behavioral impetus that shared decision-making does. So your, your, uh, your father was uh, a very smart man, and he, and he touched on the same behavior that shared decision-making elicits. He's uh, the father of something. I don't know. Me. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's talk, about, let's talk about Wiser Together. What is Wiser Together? Is it, is it a platform? Is it a technology? Is it kind of a combination of all of the above? It's, it's a very powerful technology that helps people that understands the patient, that understands their intent, that understands their preferences, so what they want to do and why, really early in the decision-making process, and really understand what are the different constraints and drivers of their choice. So is it um, their personal factors that influence it, is it financial factors that influence their behavior, clinical factors that influence their behavior, and allows them to then evaluate the myriad of different treatments or options available to them on an apples-to-apples basis. So if you for example, care about, as I mentioned, side effects, and you're worried about the side effects of a treatment, you can compare the 28, for example, treatments available to you for back pain against side effects for each one of them. Say I'm, what would be best to, you know, the best point of view to take this from first? Can we, should we walk through the patient point of view or the provider point of view? Um, the, let's start with the patient point of view, because uh, right now, the natural way a patient acts in this world today is as soon as they have a health issue, they go online or on the web through their phone or a computer, they go online and they look at their issue. This is about 70% of people do that right off the bat. Almost a third of those folks are looking at treatment options. Another third are looking at symptoms and diagnosis, and then the rest are just learning about the issue and what other people did. So basically, I'm a patient. I have just been diagnosed with something. So I've just been told I have, you know, condition X. So my first move or, or you know, maybe if it's even my caregiver or spouse or somebody, we, we go online and now we're trolling the Internet looking for information. Is that, is that what's happening? That's right. So the first, uh, the natural behavior of people now is to go online and not only look, learn about the issue and learn about their options, but also in a way verify what the, the doctor or the, the, the nurse told you about um, the diagnosis. So is this really, does this really make sense? How likely is it? Is it, is it unlikely? And so this is a little gut check that people go through. 
So you have huge spikes in internet usage, online usage, where people are seeking out information. And that happens before they seek a doctor, as well as after they seek a doctor's visit. And then how does that, I'm sure that that creates its own set of, of difficulties. In fact, I have was just reading this article, which I couldn't have disagreed with more, but I, I understood the point in which a doctor was complaining about patients who went on the internet and how they became, there's a word for it that I'm looking at, like hyperlink chondriacs or something like that, <laughs> <laughs> because they they come in demanding this whole host of random tests and expensive tests that they don't need, or just any number of of things that do not meet evidence based medicine because they got them out of the National Enquirer or something. Right. I, I think you're you're hitting on a really important point because if you look at the care continuum right now, the care continuum is is how people are cared for all the way from the healthy to um, really acute conditions. In the care continuum, there is a gap right now where wellness, which is uh, being healthy, staying healthy, there's a huge movement in that around wearables and people tracking their health and staying healthy, healthier. Now, where wellness ends and before provider or doctor support kicks in, and that doctor support could be either a doctor visit or a pharmacist visit or even a care management or your health coach visit, there's a gap that people are currently find themselves in when they actually have a health issue or where they get a test result back that gives them a high indication or certain risk for a condition. And as a result, they, they find themselves in the situation where they have to be a consumer. They have to understand their options and really act on it. That gap right now is underserved. People are falling through that gap in the, in the healthcare care continuum and going on to uh, popular sites like Google and WebMD, which, uh, which is very informational and provide a lot of information. But it's a terrible experience because it's not personalized to you. And it, it really hits at the point that you mentioned. Almost everybody who go on Google will see the extreme situation, the extreme condition. So you either think that something really bad is going to happen or something really, really good is going to happen. So you see the extremes and that's not the normal case. Not all, those are extreme cases that shouldn't always be used, shouldn't be used to make a decision. So that terrible experience going on to Google is, is, is scary and it's overwhelming. For back pain, for example, there are 172 million hits right now for a, for a simple search on back pain. 172 million. That's, that's more than half this country. This is, that's an insane number uh, for people to evaluate. So how do you make sense of it? And what also happens is once you get onto Google, you stay outside the ecosystem. So you really are learning about information, talking to friends, figuring anything and everything you can out of it because uh, you have no real guidance. There's information, but not, not all of it is actionable. And you stay out of that, out of the ecosystem for a long time and you may come back in with a doctor's visit. Maybe you, you decide, okay, I want to see your neighbor Joe and had surgery and you recommended an orthopedic surgeon. And you, and you go back into the healthcare system by getting an appointment with that surgeon. And your course of treatment following that appointment is going to be very different than if you had come back much earlier, gone to the right options available to you. Maybe your employer had a, a special back pain uh, program available to you or your, um, or your health plan offered a back pain, back therapy solution for you. Those are all options that were unavailable to you or they were available, but you were unaware of because you, were not, you didn't know about what was available, what was uh, paid for, what is evidence-based and what would fit your personal situations and constraints. And so that gap is really, really costly. 
So what we were able to do is if we were able to plug that gap and really bridge when people have a health issue for the first time and they're really looking at entering the healthcare system, looking at all their options and evaluating those options based on what makes sense to them and will work for them, we're able to capture what they're looking to do and why, their preferences and values, and help guide them to the next step that's available to them through their employee, that's paid for maybe, that's highly subsidized, that's easily accessible, uh, that's convenient for them. These are all factors that would make a lot of sense for the patient. And so uh, we're able to really help triage you, capture you at the right time, guide you and intelligently, and connect you to the right resources. So that whole experience is that much, it makes you that much happier, it's much more efficient, your information is captured and stored so that every subsequent interaction, maybe you, you will end up with an orthopedic surgeon, but the orthopedic surgeon will now know that you've, uh, these are the different treatments that you've tried before, and this was how effective it was. Let me just summarize what I, what I heard you say, and that is that the, the current situation, there's a treatment gap. Even if patients want and are motivated and engaged enough to go looking for information so that they can participate in the decision-making regarding their care. They go online. They are confronted with, you know, 172 million links they could follow. They're just completely overwhelmed. They shut down and they do nothing. And that actually might exacerbate their condition because by doing nothing when they should be doing something, that obviously does not lead to optimal outcomes. That's right. Let's look at Wiser together now from the patient experience. So I'm a patient. I have gone into my provider and now we're sitting in the exam room and I'm talking to, you know, is this the right scenario? Would, would, it, would it actually be a provider, meaning a, a nurse or a doctor in the, you know, in that kind of healthcare setting that would introduce me, the patient to Wiser together? Is that how it goes down? That's one of the options. When you are in a doctor's visit, which is a great experience, you're a little further down the decision tree already. You've already tried, typically a patient, and I'm taking back pain as an example, tries nine different remedies before on their own before they actually go see a doctor. But most of the time when Wiser Together is introduced, right. it's being given by, in other words, if I'm a patient, I can't go find Wiser Together on the, on the web. Like you're not a consumer-facing no, we're not. But you can get access to Wiser Together through your organizations that carry risk or provide services to you. So, for example, your employer or your health plan be a natural place where people actually go out and seek information to understand what's covered or what's available to them through their tax savings, the HSA, the health savings account, how much money they have available to spend on this account. So, in, in places like that, so be it be it your employer, benefits portal, or your plan portal, you're looking to see doctors in your network, maybe your wellness portal where you're looking to see uh, now that you've got high blood pressure or you've got back pain, what are your options available to you? For each of your different entry points into healthcare, why is it together provides a solution for you to help you understand your options, see what's covered, see what your cost would be, see what's clinically effective based on evidence-based medicine, based on uh, peer ratings and doctor ratings and effectiveness, and what's personally effective for you. Uh, and is that mostly how people engage with Wiser Together? In other words, I've been to my doctor. Doctor said this, this, and that. I mean, maybe they're a paternalistic kind of doctor, or maybe they're a very engaged kind of doctor who is more of a, of, of a that ilk. But 
the point is, is that it's not necessarily the the provider who's saying you got to use this tool. It's I go back to my desk next day at work and I log into my employer portal and I see Wiser together and I'm like, I've just been diagnosed with back pain. And then I, I enter your platform there. Yes. So there's that's one of the use cases. So as you can see in healthcare, what's happened right now is patients, given given their larger risk that they bear. People have a high deductible that they're facing when they when they have a health issue every year an average deductible and their cost share has has increased. And right now it's about they cover about on average 30% of the cost for uh, carrying healthcare which is a few thousand dollars on average. So because of this cost uh, burden on their on their wallet patients are more active. So when they have a health issue, they they tend to start either, what are my options? What's covered in my network? What's uh, what's payable through my insurance company? Those are the choices that people start with. And that's where they can get access to Wiser together. So we work with organizations that carry your risk, that care about your, uh, carry your risk in healthcare. So your cost or your outcome risk. So that's your provider. Or you want to engage the employees um, or members uh, to make them to be more informed consumers, such as your wellness platform, or your health savings accounts. There are multiple entry points right now for healthcare. And uh, Wiser Together is on almost every one of them right now. And so as a patient, you come in to maybe your plan portal, as I mentioned, or your employer portal, your benefits portal, or you call into the helpline for your uh, for your health plan, you're able to access Wiser Together in that interaction. And that will give you your options available to you and help you then navigate. This is self-navigation, help you navigate your, your healthcare available to you. What would happen would be, and I find this really interesting because one of the things that just occurred to me is strikingly missing from any internet search that anyone would do is you're absolutely right, the cost implications, which obviously are economic concerns are quite a decision-making criteria that most people are certainly going to consider. So taking it down once again to the patient level, I'm a patient, I've just been diagnosed with back pain or I'm suffering from back pain. Say I go into my employer portal. What am I, and I click on the Wiser Together icon, say, what is it a series of questions that I'm asked? You know, like what is the, what's sort of the flowchart of of what I see and how I'm guided through all of these decisions that I'm going to need to make? It's a very, very simple and easy experience for the patient. We recognize that the patient is actually in a, in, a, in, a, in a tough situation. When you have a health issue, you're really evaluating and it's an overwhelming situation. There's a lot of risk. People are concerned about the impact on them, their health, their work, uh, for any of these health issues they face. What was missing is really, and what is missing, is really a way to give them peace of mind. And that's what Wiser Together does. We give you peace of mind as a patient. So the experience is really simple. We help you. So if you have a health condition, either it's diagnosed for, um, it's been diagnosed or you think you're about to go to the doctor's visit and you're evaluating your different uh, conditions, we uh, give you the, the list of options that's available to you. So these are medically sound, clinically evaluated medical options that are available to you for the health condition you have. And this covers treatments that are covered by your insurance plan, treatments that are supervised by maybe a professional like a doctor or a nurse or a therapist, and then things that you can get, uh, treatments that you can get over the counter as well. So at this local CVS or a Walgreens or a pharmacy in the neighborhood. Understanding your full set of options is really important. So you have a, you get a good understanding of what's available to you. But that's not all. How do you evaluate um, the 28 different remedies available to you for back pain or the 18 different remedies available to you for carpal tunnel syndrome? 
how do you compare them based on what's uh, likely to work, what's likely to, uh, what, what matters to you as a patient? This is, this is really important because you as a patient care about certain things. If cost may be an issue, maybe you have, uh, you cannot take time off work right now to undergo surgery or therapy. It's a busy period for you. Or you're worried about side effects, as I mentioned. There are a number of personal factors and constraints that will impact what you do and how you stick with the treatment. That ultimately will impact your, uh, your outcome and your cost trajectory. So what we're able to do is really help you at that moment, as soon as you have a health issue, understand your options and then evaluate them. And the average person has 22 different factors that they evaluate to when they compare treatments. And these factors break down into three different buckets. Clinical effectiveness, there are about five elements about clinical effectiveness. So you're really looking at what the evidence behind the treatment are, what's um, the ratings or the effectiveness, um, peer ratings of your uh, treatment, what other people like you found effective when they did this treatment or not, what doctors, uh, when they were patients, found effective or not. The second bucket is really on the financial side. How, how does the treatment financially compare to, to others? So you want to know what the out-of-pocket costs are, how much uh, of your deductible will be uh, taken away. Is it covered or not by your health plan? And how much is that coverage? Is, uh, is it payable through your tax-deferred health savings account or not? Will the treatment actually have an impact on your work? Do you have to take time off the treatment? There are six elements on the financial side that, that you evaluate. And then uh, the, the third bucket is really important that's really missing anywhere in the, in, in, in the world right now is information around the personal impact of the treatments. So as I mentioned, how effective, what is the peer ratings of people like you? How did they rate the treatment when they went through it? What was, uh, how effective was it? What, is the, what are the side effects, the pain associated with the treatment and so on and so forth? 11 elements on that front. So these 22 elements all in all, is what drives a person's choice, what drives a person's compliance or adherence with the treatment and their ability to stick with it and will ultimately drive the outcome that the patient will see. So what we, what we provide you is for each of those, as I mentioned, 18 different treatments uh, for carpal tunnel syndrome, for example, you can compare them based on these 22 factors. And it's, uh, you can look at uh, what, um, on average, what people have found to be effective. You can look at any one of the factors and compare them. So it really is a very simple comparison solution. And as you do that, as you are comparing the treatments based on criteria that matters to you, we are learning about you as well and helping you then personalize your subsequent treatments. So now that we know that you are that you, you're concerned about costs is a big issue and you're concerned about side effects, for example, we would be able to help you look at other treatments along the same dimensions. And so this is really a learning solution that helps you personalize your treatment options available to you. And then what we do is able to then, based on the criteria that you've shared with us, we're able to narrow down your options and then help you connect with the next step. So if you do go speak with a doctor after that, you choose their doctor, the right doctor will tell you which doctors are in your network and which ones are covered by uh, your health plan. And we'll give you a printout that you can take with you to your doctor or if, you, or if the doctor has um, email access, be able to send that directly to them. So now the doctor will have that much more intelligence about your thinking before you came into the appointment. So they know that you, you, you worried about side effects. So they can have a much more focused conversation about the side effects for the treatments that you looked at. And that helps the interaction. That helps create the voice for the patient. And the doctor and the patient can have a much more focused and improved interaction that, will, that leads to better outcomes for the patient, a better experience, a more productive visit. So doctor is happy, patient is happy, 
and it's lower cost, so the payer is happy. This is something that the patient says, you know, I'm going to sit down and spend an hour going through these different options so that I can figure out what's best for me for my, you know, your example, carpal tunnel. No, that's that's not true. It's um, it's a mobile and an online uh, solution. It is actually very simple. You can go through, it takes two clicks to get to your answer. It's really a, can be done in the doctor's office, on the way to doctor's office. It's easily accessible. It's really taken what was considered to be a very intimidating experience around research because of the lack of information, the different sources, and com- and collapse that into a very simple solution. It's like Amazon for treatment. So you really are able to compare your choices, see your different options available to you, get the ratings on them, and then if needed, schedule an appointment right away and get to the next step. The interface itself looks very simple, but there's a whole lot of data crunching and machine learning and all kinds of stuff going on in the back end. It, it sort of sounds like that's right. So we've got one of the largest data sets of patient preferences and patient values and patient intent in the world, really in understanding what millions of people found to be effective, what, they, what their experiences were. And we learn from that. We're continuously learning about what the medical community says about the evidence for different treatments, what the costs are. And we combine all that together behind the scenes so the patient doesn't have to and make this and makes this a, a very simple easy to understand, easy to use solution that has a powerful implication of how people engage with and interact with the health system. That actually, it's interesting that you bring that up because that was going to be my next question. You had mentioned earlier something about peer ratings, you know, that each potential treatment modality has been, you know, what you're showing is the these peer ratings. I was curious how you are collecting those. Is that that actually through the back end of your platform or is that a separate sort of survey operation or how does that go down? We collect it from in multiple different ways and it's uh, through a solution. So when people go through the solution, we learn how effective uh, were the treatments that they tried before and after. We are engaged with the, the patient. They share a tremendous amount of, uh, there's a tremendous amount of goodwill where they're able to share what worked for them and didn't work. We also capture the data from patients through surveys, through market research, through other interactions they have with the health system. So it's really com- collecting this data, cleaning it up, making statistical significant, make, ensuring statistical significance, and then helping present that data in an easy-to-understand way. How many patients are using Wiser together, approximately? Today? So we go out to about 5 million people right now. Wow. And what therapeutic categories are covered it's a good question. So we cover treatments where patients have a choice. So they're called preferences-sensitive health conditions. So any condition that a patient tends to have a choice in. So we, we do not cover acute care, terminal care, traumatic care, where conditions where the doctor takes over and runs it through end-of-life care, for example. But really, the, the rest of the options are the treatments that uh, where patients either have to, uh, so chronic conditions where patients are living with a condition or lifestyle-based conditions where it's optional and they're trying to fit the a treatment into their busy and constrained lives, the treatment itself will have an impact on the other things that they have to worry about. And, and so really fitting the right one or making the, the right choice matters. Or treatments where there tends to be strong preferences or norms around it, like pregnancy, for example, or conditions where there tend to be social stigma associated with the conditions, or mental health issues, maybe substance abuse issues, or conditions where um, there are chronic conditions, so musculoskeletal, heart disease, diabetes, are all conditions that... Uh, we cover. So we currently cover about uh, 200 odd conditions and 4,000 treatments. And that number is is doubling almost every year. 
Do you see a correlation between those patient preference kinds of conditions and what an employer or a payer would likely label as cost-driving conditions? Um, that's, that's exactly right. The conditions that we cover also tend to be the, one of the fastest growing and the largest segment of the cost for a, a payer right now. This is because patients have choices and adherence, and, and there's a true challenge in how do you manage the demand of, uh, of these different treatments or the, the treatment plans that their patients have. So while payers have, have sort of controlled costs, so to speak, they've been able to sort of manage the cost down or control how what, what is charged by a provider for a specific treatment, they have been unable to really understand and help patients make better demand decisions. And so a, a solution like Wiser Together can really help patients make a choice because this is, this is really a consumer a decision where you are looking to um, engage with the right treatment that works for you and and connect with uh, with the treatment and that's that's what wiser together does do you find that some providers might be threatened by this not at all so we actually work very closely with providers and providers like the the, uh, the service that we provide tremendously because what we're able to do is bring patients in who have thought about their condition have a much more a nuanced understanding of the, the pros and cons of the different treatments and are able to then focus on the treatments that are right for them. This is, this is really bringing in that patient voice into that doctor interaction that is missing. Because remember, providers are great. They're, they're a tremendous amount of training, but uh, because of the traditional approach in healthcare and the fact that now there is so many different touch points of healthcare, different doctors, different specialists, different uh, specializations, you see multiple doctors before you end the end end treatment. A lot of the information about the patient is missing. Doctors are not trained extensively or incented to really understand the patient's preferences or the values in a way that they can that is recorded in the healthcare system. So what we are able to do is really help improve that interaction and really help the doctors and the patients have a much more focused conversation around what matters and where both the patient and the doctor are on the same page. If cost is an issue, we were able to surface that right up front so the doctor can then is aware that cost is an issue and we can help them with uh, the different treatments uh, in the right way. Because uh, remember, you and I have all been there. The doctor-patient interaction is very intimidating. You, you're sitting there you're late, you're the, the, you come in, the doctor comes in and gives you about 10 minutes uh, at best, and there's a lot of information that's thrown at you. This could be intimidating for many people, depending on the condition, and, and um, the system has not been great at capturing that patient voice or arming the patient the right way to really help that interaction. And that's what we do. People are happier. Doctors are much happier, and what they see is not just a better interaction and more satisfied patients, but really better adherence to the treatment itself. So people go back home and not just uh, don't fulfill prescriptions because it's too costly, but now they know that they have a better option and stick with the treatments longer and achieve better outcomes. Let me ask you a, a question on a different topic, my friend. Yes. Obviously, you are a very successful health tech entrepreneur with an organization large enough to support 5 million patients. If you were going to make a shared decision-making tool for tech entrepreneurs in the healthcare space or simply those looking to improve patient outcomes, what, what would that look like? What advice would you have? For the tech space, for patient outcomes? 
Yeah. So if you, you know, we do have a number of entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs out there, people just simply looking who are motivated to try to find solutions to help patients utilizing technology or maybe right. even not in, in this in this space. You've, right. you've successfully waded these waters. Is there any lessons? Yes. So I think we're in the first innings of um, helping the consumers or patients become real consumers or informed consumers in, in healthcare. If you think about the retail space, you think about what Apple has done in, in, in technology and devices, they understand the consumers so much better than what the health system does for their patients. The health system actually has a very limited and skewed understanding of their patients because of the data that they've collected or the history that they have, the legacy systems. My advice, and, and I think this is a this is a massive opportunity in, in healthcare that we are sitting on right now, and we're just in the first innings of how do you empower and help patients become consumers of health? And that could take there could be technology solutions that would be a combination of technology and devices that would be really transforming and helping how people interact with healthcare, how they engage with uh, the specialists or the, the, the services provided, and how they act on it subsequent to those interactions. Thank you so much for being on the program today. Thank you, Stacey. Appreciate it very much. Thank you very much. Links to everything discussed during the episode today can be found at RelentlessHealthValue.com. I'll tell you the other thing that you will find at RelentlessHealthValue.com, and that is a way to subscribe to the show. If you subscribe, the cool thing is that you don't have to remember to go to the website every week to download the new episode. It will automatically be sent to you in one of two ways. The first way is you can type in your email address in the, there's a, a sidebar on the right hand side of the website where you will find a place that you could type in your email address and then you will get an email once a week with a, a link to download the episode. So that's one way to go. The second is also in that same right hand sidebar on the Relentless Health Value website, you will find a large orange dot. If you click on that dot, then you'll get taken to a place where you can click on the subscribe button in iTunes. If you click on that, then each week your iTunes will automatically download the episode, which you could choose to listen to on your computer or on the podcast app on your mobile phone. If you enjoyed this episode, please, I beg you, uh, it would be really, really helpful if you would rate and review the show either on iTunes or interact with us on Twitter. Our uh, Twitter handle is Relentless with only one S, health. So Relentless with only one S, health. I would love to hear from you. We would find it very inspiring over here at the Relentless Health Value podcast. I thank you so much for tuning in and so much for spending the time with us. Thank you.